one spring, I was in a department store and they had their winter sale items and I found cashmere sweaters for $5. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was June. <laughs> yeah, nobody wanted them. Out the door. Hi, this is Allie and you're listening to another episode of the Leading Rain Podcast. Every week, Noah and I dive into some aspect of the horse industry. We don't shy away from difficult topics and we love to share all the feel-good stories. We want you to show up to this and laugh a little, but learn a lot. We're so excited to share this with you and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back everyone to another episode of The Leading Rain. This week, I am so excited for this episode. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really glad to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And you know, it was really funny. I was talking to a couple of people about what we were going to do. And the irony in the whole situation is I was like totally bundled up, freezing <laughs> cold. And I was like, I cannot wait to sit through this podcast because I need it so badly. Um, so I guess without further ado, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself for everybody and then we'll dive on in? Sure. I grew up in northern Minnesota, right at the tip of Lake Superior. So we have um, a lot of months of winter every year. And rather than fighting it, we tend to embrace it. And throughout my childhood and adulthood, uh, early adulthood, you know, I was playing outside, playing ice hockey, skiing, snowmobiling. We just, we, you know, live outside in the winter like we do outside in the summer. And in my early 20s, I got involved in dog sled racing as a support person. So the dog team would race from checkpoint to checkpoint, and then I would drive the support vehicle and take care of the dogs at the checkpoint. And I kind of noticed the first year that I went, I thought I knew about being warm in winter, but I had never been outside for 48 hours or 72 hours in a row. And uh, some gaps in my understanding really became obvious. And so I started looking around at the people who weren't cold and started kind of interviewing them about what I needed to know to be comfortable for long amounts of time outdoors without shelter. And what I also realized is that there were a lot of people who were diehard outdoors Minnesotans who also didn't really know how to manage the cold well. And so I started teaching these classes. My parents were both school teachers, and I just grew up with the belief that knowledge is power. And so I started teaching classes to help people not have to be cold and miserable all winter long. And so the more I learned about it, the more I realized that this is something that people, this is kind of like generational knowledge. And so the old wives tales get passed down from generation to generation. And so do the mishaps or the mistakes or the misunderstandings. And so, you know, in the, in the uh, spirit of being the child of a school teacher or two, (laughs) I figured I should start teaching people how to help themselves. That's awesome. Well, it's definitely knowledge that I feel like everyone kind of needs. I mean, unless I guess you live in Hawaii or San Diego, like maybe it's (laughs) not for you. But besides that, I think on some level, we all, you know, we all deal with the cold weather. And then for those of us who are especially outdoors all the time, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's important stuff. So I'm so excited to hear everything you have to say. So I'm just going to turn the floor over to you and um, just let you kind of walk us through your, your class and how you share this knowledge with people. Sure. Great. Well, now that we have all become very Zoom friendly, I have started offering this online as a Zoom class, and I have gotten a lot more response, obviously, than I would just offering it through the local community ed in our schools. And I've kind of developed my program to be more online and distance friendly. But the fundamentals of what I teach are kind of universal. And so it doesn't matter if you're in Minnesota or Siberia or 
even some of the places like out on the West Coast where it's cold and damp all the time, but it may not be brutally cold, but it can be dangerously hypothermically cold right. without having any snow on the ground. And so these kind of concepts and principles apply really to anybody that does any outdoors activities. And I kind of start with two foundational concepts. And you're going to hear this repeated throughout the class. One is that air is protective, air is your friend, moisture is your enemy. And so air creates a warm layer of insulation around us that keeps physical materials from conducting cold onto our skin. So if you think of like the insulation in your house, if you think of um, like when horses are cold and they puff out their fur, they're creating a warm layer of air against their skin that traps their body heat in or that, that retains that body heat and reduces the amount of contact that their skin has with materials that's colder than their skin that then draws heat off of their bodies. So if air is our friend, moisture is our enemy. So moisture, you know that if your skin is wet, that evaporation causes you to lose body heat. It feels cool. Also, water conducts cold very, very well. So if you're wearing a cold, damp cotton t-shirt, it's just, it's, it's, it's this horrible, clammy, cold yeah. feeling up against your skin that you can't escape. So um, the two concepts, air is your friend, moisture is your enemy, those are going to be the foundation of everything that we talk about in this class. And the, the other is that it is easier to stay warm than it is to get warm. So being proactive and kind of thinking ahead and preparing yourself before you're cold, both in terms of accumulating the right gear, but then knowing how to use it and then paying attention to um, the conditions that you're going to be in, the activities that you're going to be participating in. That proactive thinking makes it a whole lot easier to stay comfortable um, when you are exposed to the elements. That's such a true thing, I feel like, in so many areas of life, right? It's like just be proactive and get in front of it. And <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just thinking back to all this rain we just had out here and, you know, just soaking through our rain jackets. And it's so true because it's like, it's only 50 degrees outside, Ugh. but you're just frozen to the core. As soon as you get wet, you're done. Like it's, it's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, and you can be in big trouble. Because as you become hypothermic, your decision-making skills decrease and you start, your, your physical activity decreases when actually you need to increase it because you just want to huddle and shiver. And it just can become a real dangerous snowball effect. And a lot of people misunderstand the danger of 40 to 50 degrees. Right. They think of danger zone as below freezing, you know, or below 30 right. degrees or below freezing. Um, but they don't think about the danger of that mid range where it shouldn't be a problem, but it is. I'm like wildly raising my hand over here for all of us <laughs> on the West Coast and Pacific Northwest. <laughs> uh huh. I would rather have I would rather have a Minnesota winter than a Seattle winter. Yes. To be honest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yep. my gosh. So the next kind of thing that we talk about in my class is the human element and the human physiology that we need to understand in order to be proactive in managing our thermal regulation. So the first element of human physiology is our circulation. So our hands and feet stay warm because there is warm blood traveling through our uh, veins and ca capillaries out into our hands and feet. And any clothing that we wear that constricts that, that, you know, makes our capillaries kind of close down, that, that interferes with our circulation, interferes with being warm. And so by buying gear that might seem too big for us, what we're doing is we're guaranteeing that all of the blood flow that we can get out to our extremities can get there. And so as, as we get chilly, if we can increase our heart rate, we're just going to increase the rate at which warm blood is carried out to our limbs. That's what shivering is for. The downside is when you're cold, you tend to want to kind of huddle up and, and 
hunker down and that tends to reduce the amount of air that's around you because you kind of wrap that blanket around you and it becomes too tight and as you're shivering you're that's not really efficient heat generation where if you were to get up and run around and really move your your body you're going to increase your heart rate which will increase your circulation and will get you warmer faster now the downside of that is it also can make you sweat right and then what do we have we have moisture and right. that's our enemy <laughs> so there's a kind of a fine balance to to maintain with that the other part about circulation is that some people have physical issues whether it be um you know a circulatory disorder or uh, like a hormonal imbalance that makes their thermal regulation really struggle and their body has to work much harder and maybe can't really get a handle on it. Everything we're going to talk about from this point forward will make that better. It may not, it may not be the silver bullet. They might still struggle with being cold, but if they're wearing good clothing instead of dangerous clothing, they're still going to be better off in the long run. Um, and then the third element about circulation is that the foods and beverages that we consume can kind of backfire on us. So carbs, fats, and sugar are nice fast burning fuels, which is really good. If you're chilly, man, throw in some carbs, some fat, or some sugar for the short term, but then also so supplement that with some protein to give you some long burning fuel. And that actually, in some circumstances, people will talk about eating a chocolate bar and feeling the heat gen start to generate through their body and just feeling it travel through their body as their body burns that fat and sugar. And then we also need to be really careful about hot beverages and alcohol because that can interfere with your thermal regulation alcohol will cause constriction in your um, capillaries, which then decreases the blood flow to your limbs, which causes you then to not have that warm blood traveling out and, and making your hands warm. Right. So circulation is one of the human elements. Perspiration is the other. Now, people think that because they're cold, they're not sweating. So it's true they might not be sweaty, but they are still perspiring. Their body is always releasing moisture and different fabrics will manage that moisture differently. So the next section we're gonna talk about are the different kinds of materials to wear. Um, but a lot of people will say, my feet are freezing. I have on my winter boots and five pairs of socks. And what they've got going on is tight boots too much uh, pressure inside their boots, decreased circulation, and very frequently uh, socks that are made of materials that will hold on to moisture, which then is just conducting cold onto their skin and making them more miserable than they need to be. <laughs> so. Right. It's like, I feel like at this particular moment, especially for this, it's like, all you horseback riders, listen with your tight boots <laughs> and no matter what, you know, we're uh -huh. limited. So this is the section really. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I am that person. I have cold feet all winter long. Like it's so. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully we can help you with that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, stirrups are an issue. And, you know, if you can go up a size in stirrups to accommodate a bigger boot, that might be your winter solution. Right. You know, or going without stirrups, that's always healthy, you know, good yeah. for your, <laughs> to develop your riding, right? Now it's That'll get your heart rate up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Instead of no stirrup November, it's going to be no stirrup winter. Winter. Yeah. <laughs> start it, we'll start a new fad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So in this human element, there's two other things that I want to talk about. And that's some myths and misconceptions. Most of us have probably grown up hearing that you lose 50%, 70%, 80% of your body heat through your head. There is a little bit of truth to the fact that we do lose body heat through our head. And that is because there are lots and lots and lots of capillaries really close to the surface of our skin on our heads. And so we are just shedding heat as our blood um, travels over those areas that don't have a lot of fat on them to insulate 
those blood vessels and capillaries. And so while it is true that um, my dad always used to say, if your feet are cold, put on a hat. And yeah. now that I'm, you know, saying these same things, <laughs> there, I have to eat a little bit of crow because I always thought that was so dumb when I was growing up. But it turns out he was right. <laughs> and that, 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 that layer insulates those capillaries and just retains body heat really well. And the other misconception is that more layers is better. A lot of times by adding layers, we can get ourselves into trouble with circulation. And so, and, and also by putting on the wrong layers. So we'll kind of address that layering is the answer, but if you have the right layers, less is actually more. So we'll, we'll cover that in kind of the next section about materials and clothing. That's really interesting because I think that probably a lot of people who work outdoors struggle with that, you know, like the start and stop of like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm active. And so how do you dress? And, mm -hmm. you know, the moment you stop doing something, you're cold. And then if you're doing anything that requires physical labor, which usually if you're working outside at, you know, any job, you're required physical labor. Um, you don't want to be wearing bulky clothes. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, yeah. So having like good insulating thinner layers um, and then knowing when to add layers and take off layers is, is really the key to managing that. Interesting. So knowing, knowing about fabric is pretty important. There are two kinds of fabrics. You have hydrophobic fabrics, which repel or resist water. They don't retain it. And then you have hydrophilic, which absorb and hold water. So if you've ever had jeans get wet, you know how long that takes, how heavy they get, because they, the cotton loves water, <laughs> and which is why our towels are made of cotton. Because right. it absorbs water and it holds it and it takes it off your skin. But it, if you're wearing that towel or those jeans, or if you're wearing cotton long underwear or cotton socks or a cotton t-shirt as your base layer, that's just going to absorb any moisture that your body's putting out or that's coming in from the elements. And it's going to just hold it up against your skin and then start conducting cold. So we want to look for hydrophobic materials to wear as our layers. So we're going to be looking at silk, down, wool, leather, fur. These are all natural, uh, natural fibers that are hydrophobic. Now, cotton is a natural fiber, but it is hydrophilic. And so it's good for certain purposes. It's great for summertime and, you know, indoors and places where we aren't going to be really exposed. But in the outdoor recreation industry, the phrase cotton kills is it's serious business because if you get into the backcountry and you've got only cotton layers, you can, you can really be in trouble. Um, and I, I should say, I mentioned down in that list of natural fibers. Down is also going to be hydrophilic. It is going to absorb and hold water and, and can be quite dangerous. So I'll talk about down shortly and how to use it because it is really also very warm if it's dry. <laughs> so. Right. And cotton can be a really good top layer or a windbreaker layer if it's a real tight weave, sturdy cotton, and it's not you're not going to be in any kind of rain or or overexertion. Um, it it can work as a really good windbreaker. Okay, that's interesting. We also then have man-made fibers. You know, nylon, polar fleece, polypropylene. Holofill, Gore-Tex, Ultrex, Suplex, there's, you know, it, it, the list goes on and on and on. The one thing that I'm going to say right now is that when I say the word polyester, most people imagine their grandpa's itchy, <laughs> heavy, <laughs> awful leisure suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> polyester has come a long way, baby. It is, there is some really nice, lightweight, soft, buttery against your skin polyester that um, it's basically a synthetic fiber that is hydrophobic and is really good as a base layer. Whether you're wearing natural fibers or man-made fibers, you want to keep it clean. Your body sweat, your body oils can get into those fibers and coat them 
and make them less effective at maintaining that layer of warm, dry air against your skin. Silk is a fantastic fiber. Um, you can wear it indoors and out. It doesn't add bulk and it keeps that nice, dry, warm layer against your skin. And I jokingly, only it's not much of a joke, uh, say that I wear silk long underwear from October 1st to May 1st. <laughs> Not the same pair. <laughs> but I own more pair of silk long underwear than jeans because <laughs> I wear them every single day. Whether, and you know, if it's 70 degrees, obviously I don't. But there's just nothing worse than stepping outside and having that cold denim touching your legs. There's yes. no escape of it. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. And so silk is great because it, it, it is not, um, it's not super insulating. Uh, so when you're indoors, you're not getting overheated because you have silk long underwear on. Um, but it does protect you from that cold fabric right, right up against your skin. So, um, those are, those are some of my, some of my favorite, um, clothing pieces are my silk base layer that I can wear all the time. Well, and the nice thing about those too is for the riders out there, I mean, I have a couple pairs of those and I am wearing a pair right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but like you can put them under jeans or breeches and you don't feel bulky. That's a right. huge problem. Again, you know, kind of circling around to, if you're doing anything that requires you to kind of be athletic or, mm -hmm. or, physically work you know you are struggling with bulky clothing and right. uh, yeah and so I yeah I love mine yeah and with silk and the new lightweight wool long underwear you can buy it big enough so that there's no constriction without gaining a lot of bulk you want to be careful with leggings and long underwear that it is not tight against your skin you you want that fabric to move freely underneath your clothing and over your skin. So some of the leggings that are out there would on the surface look like they're perfect, but they're actually too tight and, and interfere with the free flow circulation through um, our legs and feet. That's probably, that's a really good note for people to consider because I feel like just especially just where we are society, clothes and all of that, everything is geared to fit tighter. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is hard to, yeah, like when that's kind of the desired fit to really understand that that's not exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for that article of clothing to be super right. functional in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I would teach my classes to dog sledding, people that were getting involved in dog sledding, I would say, listen, this is a very important decision that you're going to make in the next <clears throat> winter. Do you want to be stylish or do yeah. you want to be warm? <laughs> you pick one. <laughs> yeah, you don't get both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's there's lots of really cute winter gear out there. But if you're going to be out for extended periods of time, you're probably going to sacrifice that uh, that stylish look. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I do want to go back to down because that was an, a natural fiber that I was talking about. In circumstances where you are going to be involved in sedentary activities and there's not any external um, precipitation, so, you know, it's not raining or wet snowing, down is amazing. But you have to be really mindful of what you're going to be doing because if you're going to up your body temperature and start sweating that that down is just gonna soak that water right up and it doesn't transport it to the outside of the material it just hangs on to it and just becomes more and more useless and dangerous right so you just got to be really mindful that if you're ever gonna ha be in a situation where you have one jacket for all kinds of activities, you really want to reconsider having that one jacket be down. Right. A good synthetic with a loft, a lot of loft and pile and fiber to create that layer of air, but of a material that won't hang onto water is really, I mean, it's, it could be a matter of life and death in some circumstances. Right. So, so I just kind of wanted to touch on that yeah. down because 
it is a great insulator. <laughs> yeah, well, and I do think it's interesting because like a lot, I mean, if you go to Costco or you go to, you know, name brand stores, what do you see? It's all down. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like you walk in and it's all the big puffy jackets and they are so warm and, yep. um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, definitely good thing to consider if you're outside because in the winter, you only have a few days where you're not battling the, the moisture element. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I wear a down jacket most of the winter, you know, because I'm going from my house to the car and from the car to the office and, you know, or into the grocery store. And, you know, so I having a down layer is, you know, it's a fantastic resource. You just want to be mindful of how and when you're using it. You want to wear it when you're in the indoor arena, not when you're doing turnouts. (laughs) Uh huh, 100%. <laughs> For sure. So, moving on from fabrics to how to use them. So, layering is the key because you want to have a lot of options. And I've heard people say, no, I want to have one winter jacket. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. We need 12 winter jackets. Uh, maybe not 12, but this yeah. is your excuse to have 12 if you want them. Yeah, exactly. For all of you who love to shop, listen up. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And the best time to buy is in March. So start a list. I was just talking to a woman yesterday and I said, start a list of everything that you want to own and and just keep it on a post-it note in your wallet. And then if you're at Costco or if you're at a thrift store or if you see a, a garage sale, you know, and you stop in there and man, they've got you know, Pendleton wool shirts, and that's on your list, you'll remember that you're going to buy that. And I really recommend making a comprehensive list of what you want eventually to own. And then just keep your eyes open because this stuff is out there. If you know what you're looking for, you don't have to necessarily spend a fortune on it. Right. So back to layering. We have basically three layers. We have our base layer, our insulating layer and our outer layer. So the base layer is your wicking layer that's up against your skin. It's gonna move the moisture coming off of your body away from your body and out into the elements. If you've ever been out working heavily in a wool or fleece jacket, you might realize that you're wet on the outside of your jacket. And that is because your perspiration, your body heat is moving out and it's just depositing it and it'll freeze on the outside of your jacket. But because your body heat is pushing that outwards, it doesn't, it it stays on the outside. And if you're wearing a hydrophobic material, that's going to, it's not going to draw it back in. And so um, those wicking layers are, you can use silk, you can wear wool. Um, Some people have issues with wool. Wool is a crapshoot. Some wool will be itchy while others will not. You just kind of have to experiment with different materials, different kinds of wool. You just want to make sure that if you're buying a wool long underwear, that you're getting something that is real stretchy um, so that it's not constricting and that it's a wool and synthetic blend. So it might have some um, acrylic in it. It might have some spandex in it. You just you want it to be able to move freely with your skin or with your body and not be too itchy, but also make sure it doesn't have any cotton in it because not all products are created equal. And I have seen wool cotton blend um, socks and long underwear that were not designed by someone who knew <laughs> how to <laughs> manage cold weather here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, And then there's a lot of synthetic layers as well. There's a lot of fleece. There's a lot of different weights of fleece, as well as polypropylene and polyester and nylon long underwear. So any of those hydrophobic fabrics that are light and that can move with your body are are very good base and wicking layers. You can get them in bottoms and tops. You can get them socks. You can get silk and and real lightweight nylon socks as a wicking sock i tend to not like them they fall down in my shoes and then i get wads of socks in the toes of my boots and i would rather just wear a good pair of of high pile wool socks 
I also have multiple kinds of long underwear. So I have my real thin lightweight stuff for indoor outdoor activity. I have then a medium weight wool that I can put on as a midweight. I have a heavyweight wool. I also have some really heavyweight fleece pants that I can wear over my long underwear that, you know, if I'm going to be outdoors for longer periods of time. So you can kind of mix and match your layers then if you own different layers uh, for different purposes. And then the next layer is our insulating layer. So this is that warm layer of air that is that we're surrounding our body in. This is where we want high pile, high volume, you know, wool sweaters. Just, I learned this the other day. Cable knit sweaters were designed to create more loft. Where a flat wool sweater just doesn't have quite the same you know, volume to it. And that's why cables were invented on sweaters. Interesting. Yeah. So you can, you know, go with wool, you can go with polar fleece, you can use down as your insulating layer, depending on your activity as well. Of course, there are lots of synthetics of all different volumes, you know, that this is going to be where your style can come in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I, one place that I really love to buy wool sweaters is at thrift stores because you can get some really beautiful wool gear that if you catch it on a stall latch and rip it (laughs) it can cost you hundreds of dollars (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and and different kinds of wool people will have certain issues with certain kinds of wool um icelandic wool is very itchy to me where merino wool just a regular, you know, U.S. bought wool um, doesn't bother me at all. Uh, some wool will itch through other layers as well. So you just have to kind of experiment again um, with that. And again, having thin layers, medium layers, and heavy layers um, gives you a lot more flexibility in dressing for whatever circumstances you're going out in. Right. Here's a little hack for buying wool sweaters also. One spring... I was in a department store and they had their racks of their winter sale items. And I found cashmere sweaters for $5. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was June. <laughs> yeah, just nobody wanted, wanted them, them out the door. They just wanted to get anything for them. And so I'm, you know, yanking them off of the rack right. to, <laughs> to buy them for me and my friends, whether they wanted them or not. Yeah, and you're then, like, it's not my size, but I'll take it. Right. But that I wear, I've got a V-neck cashmere sweater that is not something that I would wear as an outer layer. I use it as long underwear now. Right. And I, you know, it's one of my, one of my good wool inner layers. So that's a little hack is shopping in May for wool is a great time to find good deals. Yeah. And then moving outward, we have our outer layer. So this is where we're going to protect this little cocoon that we've spun around ourselves. We're going to keep the wind and the moisture out. So we want to we want to retain our heat, but not our moisture. And so I really caution people about waterproof these, and I'm air quoting breathable fabrics. If it promises to keep you dry from the rain, it's going to keep you wet from sweat. If it's going to keep moisture out, it will keep moisture in. And they say they have vapor barriers that allow your body heat to pass through them. But I find myself cold and clammy always when I'm wearing them. So if it is actively raining, I want that layer. But if I'm going to be doing any kind of activity, I am really, really cautious about my outer layer. And that's where that is one place where a cotton layer might be a good, um, like an anorak that's a real tight weave cotton that will shed um, wind, but you don't want to be wearing that if there's any kind of any moisture involved, whether it be wet, heavy snow, or if you are working like down on your hands and knees in the snow, you don't want to have any kind of cotton outer layers because those will just absorb, absorb water and hang on to it. Right. So good outer layers, you know, down is great synthetics there's some really nice synthetic products out there and there again you can buy thin synthetic jackets you can buy puffy synthetics you could you know you could get all kinds of different degrees of warmth going for you 
That's definitely interesting because I feel like the rain shell is just such a go-to jacket mm-hmm. for so many people. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's really like you, you definitely want it handy, but you, like you said, you probably don't want to wear it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tool, you know, it's, yeah. it's a tool right. like anything else. We, you, you know, we have to know how and when to apply it in order for it to be effective. Right. Right. So now that we've got our body warm, now comes the big, ugly topic of our head, hands, and feet. <laughs> yes. And I'll start at the bottom. So there are different kinds of materials that boots are made out of. And so we have like a single layer boot that might be neoprene. It might be an insulated um, paddock boot or hiking boot. And if it is a single layer it will serve its purpose in some circumstances. So I own boots that are single layer boots that I wear for running to the grocery store and, you know, that have a light layer of insulation in them. Boots are something that I always recommend purchasing at least one size bigger than your shoe, sometimes maybe even two. And if you're going to buy boots, you should try them on with two thicker pairs of wool socks so that you know that you have got lots of room in that boot and you want the foot bed and the foot area of that boot to be almost sloppy fitting and I know that's counterintuitive but you don't want to do anything on your feet to limit your circulation and so I like a boot that I can tie around my ankle so that I can get that snugness around my ankle, but still have lots of space down around my boot or around my foot. And so you want them to be loose fitting. Um, and I highly recommend for any extended wear, a pack boot, which is a boot that typically has a rubber foot and a nylon upper. Um, most of them will have some degree of lacing available and always they will have a removable liner. And that liner, you're gonna want to be some kind of wool or felt, or there are some synthetics that I would not purchase for myself, but they may be suitable. For myself, I want one with a nice, uh, a good half half to three quarter inch felt insert. And what I love about that is that you can take them out and dry them completely. And if you're going to buy a pack boot, you might as well just buy a second set of liners right off the bat so that you always have a dry liner that you can put in your boot. And our time out on the dog races where we would be outside for two or three days in a row, you know, that was pretty important to be able to switch out of those damp, clammy liners and get on dry socks and a dry liner. And man, you could go another 24 hours. (laughs) <laughs> because your feet weren't cold anymore. Right. <laughs> the only difference in the world. Also, some of the major brands, um, Sorel, Kamek, Baffin, they will sell an insole or a footbed that is made out of felt or a thick felted wool. It's basically just a felt insole that sits in the bottom of your boot underneath your liner, not inside your liner, because that's going to take up space in that footbed. But if your boots are big enough, you'll have room to put another another half inch of felt between yourself and the cold ground. And any of those boots that have a real deep tread on them, they can be frustrating for walking around in a paddock and getting full of horse poo. But that deep tread is designed to keep less of the surface of the boot touching the actual ground and then therefore conducting cold up into the boot. Yeah, I think anybody who's experienced like really cold feet would take obnoxious and <laughs> over freezing feet any day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I would rather have kaflumping shoes, you know, kawomp, kawomp, kawomp. Yeah. That's, that's what I, when I hear somebody walking and clumping around in the wintertime, I'm like, their feet are warm. <laughs> yeah. I know that they're not cold. Right, right. Exactly. So I frequently will hear people say, my feet are freezing. I have my winter boots on and I have on five pair of socks. 
and immediately I know that they're cutting off their circulation, or I can assume that they're cutting off their circulation and very likely that some of those pairs of socks are probably cotton and they're just holding moisture inside that boot and that's avoidable. One recommendation that I have about socks is to find them on sale and buy five or six pair every year because the more you wear them, they do absorb your body oil and they do get harder and harder to get all of that oil out. As you wash them, they will kind of felt down and they will lose their loft and they'll lose their insulatability. They'll still keep you warm if they're wet. Wool is remarkable in that it will insulate even when it's wet, not as good as when it's dry, but it, it retains some of its insulating value. And just walking on them, they get crushed down. So you lose that loft on them. I tend to look for um, seconds and, or factory seconds or, you know, oddball production socks. And wool socks are another thing that I have thin ones and I have medium ones and I have thick ones. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't get enough of them. <laughs> yeah. And I never throw them away <laughs> unless, right. they, unless they have holes in them. So I kind of keep this accumulation and as you know, I buy nice fluffy thick ones as my outdoor socks and then as they get crushed down, they become my indoor socks in subsequent years. So finding them on sale, I, without naming any name brands, you can spend $30 a pair on wool socks, but I find that um, there are a lot of brands of socks that don't cost $30 a pair that will last a lot longer than some of the ones that do cost 30 bucks a pair. So there's huge variety available in socks now. Again, you don't want them to be tight and you don't want them to have any cotton in them. Right. And then mittens and gloves and hand uh, and hand and liners. Cold hands is miserable. Mittens are almost always going to be warmer than gloves because you are keeping your digits close to each other. And just like there is silk long underwear, there are also silk mittens, silk glove liners, and silk socks that you can get as your base layer. And those make a huge difference for people. And I, I don't know the names of stores that carry them necessarily, but I sh find them online. And right. I order a pair or two every year and use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until they, and they will wear out because they're thin. But right. it is well worth the dollars that you spend on it um, to have that warm, dry layer up against your skin inside your mitten or your glove. The other thing that I really preach hard is don't be too macho to use a hand warmer. <laughs> Sometimes just having that 100 degree little packet inside your mitten or your glove can just change everything and can extend the amount of time that you can stand to be outside. So that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of smartness. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the hand warmer. Just do it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And the, the little chemical ones that shake up. Now, some people will get those and they'll buy them to put inside their boots and then be surprised that their feet are cold. And typically, what they don't know is that those chemicals need oxygen in order to retain, in order to maintain their heat. But they, so when we put them inside our boot and then put our foot in there, we block off all of the oxygen that can, that keeps them warm. And also they take up space and cut off circulation. They kind of work against you. So then moving up to our heads, there are a million options for our heads as well. For me, because I tend to kind of run hot, <laughs> a hat is the last layer that I'll put on when I'm looking for heavy duty cold management. However, because exposed flesh can freeze pretty quickly, um, I will usually wear a headband to keep my ears covered. And also that covers the spot on the back of your head right at the top of your neck at the base of your hairline, that's a place where you lose a lot of body heat. And so by just having that headband on, you're covering a little bit of the skin, but you're also, it's almost like a releasing pressure out of a pressure cooker. Like you're letting some of the heat leave your body through your scalp. And then if you get too cold, you can then put a hat on as well over that. Right. And as a side note, for people who have earrings, Earrings, that metal will conduct cold and can cause frostbite on your earlobes. So 
if you're outside for long periods of time, I re really encourage people to not wear jewelry, even your rings on your hands. As they get cold, they just conduct cold onto your skin. So just depending on what you're doing and how long you're going to be out, you may want to ditch your jewelry. I was on an expedition in Alaska with some clients. We were dog sledding down part of the Iditarod Trail several years ago, and I had kind of given the speech in the lecture about don't wear jewelry. It is, it's 30 below as a daytime high. We should not have any metal touching our bodies. And we were about four days in and one of the clients was, was complaining that her, her toes hurt and she took off one of her boots and she had a toe ring on and her toe had frozen and that, and was all swelled up. And it was so swollen that then the toe ring was cutting off the circulation to her toe and oh man she was just miserable but it was a good example the one toe with the toe ring on it was the only toe that was frozen oh my gosh Ugh. it was painful <laughs> it's painful to look at <laughs> yeah that does not that does not sound yeah. fun take your jewelry yeah, off yeah yeah and I mean obviously if you're running to the grocery store you don't need to take off your wedding ring but if you're going to be out for you know 12 14 16 hours in uh you know extreme conditions it's just something to consider yeah makes sense so a couple other things to kind of keep in mind is that exposed skin is, you know, where you're going to have a lot of blood near the surface of your body where you can lose a lot of heat. Wearing a scarf around your neck can be as good as wearing a whole nother layer. And it's a quick, easy on, easy off. I love in this tradition that we use silk scarves around our neck that that is one of my favorite things about this tradition, this style of horsemanship, <laughs> is that everybody's wearing a scarf. And it makes a huge difference. So just having having some options. I usually have a hat with me, but I also, in all of my winter jackets, I have a, a just a cheap fleece headband in, in the inside pocket of all of my jackets so that I can just get my ears covered if I need them real quick. So, right. And then kind of the last thing that I talk about is adapting to conditions and thinking ahead about if you're going to be moving hay, get off your outer layers, you know, so that as your body temperature comes up, you're able to release that heat. And then if you do get sweaty, put on a jacket, put on your layers before you start to chill down. Um, if you can change clothes when you're sweaty, change some layers hoping that that evaporates off is is can get you into trouble and so paying attention to what you're going to be doing next what you know what you're doing now what condition are you in right now and then what are you going to be doing next and what do you need to do to manage that next that transition right and then of course wind and rain what you do in calm conditions is very different than what you do in windy conditions because that wind is just sucking heat off of your body from all angles and then, of course, really extreme temperatures. As you add layers, you just want to be really aware that you're not getting too tight and, um, you know, constrained circulation. Those are, um, I think, just, like, amazing points, and especially for, like I said, kind of the riders out there or if you're working around horses or anything. I mean, we generally are wearing kind of tighter clothes, tighter boots. I mean, and it's probably something to consider maybe you need a winter pair of boots and a summer pair of boots and some winter, you know, like a winter set of everything. Or if you're going to the barn in the winter, just like always have that second set of clothes or second set of base layers. Cause you just never really know. I think if, you know, being around horses and facilities and, and especially if you're a landowner and you have that additional responsibility, you never quite know what the day is <laughs> right. going to hold. It can tend to be fairly unpredictable. So, um, I know like in the backseat of my car, you could find probably like my whole closet, like just every jacket I own this is in my car. Yeah. And, um, but it's probably really good takeaway. So just make sure like you always are prepared to, um, yeah, for whatever may, whatever unpredictable situation may right, arise. Right. And when you find stuff on sale, buy it, you know, it just, right. it, 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 there's nothing wrong with having 10 
$2 fleece headbands. You're going to use it. And, you know, one in every pocket. And um, when right. you find stuff on, on sale, get it. Yeah, you're going to use it. I think one of the like most true things, like uh, I mean, like just relatable things that you said was that it's just so much easier to stay warm instead of get warm. Yes. And I know that we have all experienced that. Yeah. And I just think back, like last winter, there was this one day and we were down here until like 11 p.m. at the barn and it was freezing cold. And I was like, I don't think I've ever been this cold in my yeah. life. <laughs> like I was just so cold and I mean yeah I I am so excited for this um, information that you shared with us today because man it's it's useful and um, as you said it's just how nice to be able to embrace the weather that like we can't control yeah and to enjoy yourself right right and it is even if it's not necessarily you're doing the things that you love you know, if you're outside doing chores or doing jobs that you don't want to do, right. it's, it's still better to do them comfortable than miserable. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No kidding. That, that is, that is the truth. So where, Julie, where can people find you? I mean, we're going to link everything, okay. um, but do you want to just kind of share like where everyone can find you sure. online? Sure. So, um, I am on Facebook as Julie Finnefra O'Connor, and um, all of my Zoom classes are set up as Facebook events, but I also, um, I sent you a link to my email. I have five classes yep. set up between now and early February, and so I've got five classes that we'll do on Zoom. Um, my classes are $15 a person. It's about 90 minutes. We cover kind of all of this that we've been talking about. Um, we also talk about where to shop and how to, how to find gear and how to know what you're looking for so that you don't have to just go spend full price, you know, at a retail store. And so um, people can email me if the dates of the class uh, on your website don't work for them. And I'm happy to do some one-on-one -on -one consulting with people and just kind of help them think through what they have and what they need uh, and where right. they can look for that. And so the email address is going to be linked on your website. Um, the name of my company is Julie O'Connor Consulting, and that also will be linked on your website. It's just julieoconnorconsulting.com. And there's links to my email and telephone there and people can also find me on Facebook. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely put all of this in the show notes. We'll share this and we will get those class times up. So everybody listening in can resource that we really encourage it. I mean, I feel like, especially for us West coasters, we have a few more weeks before we really start to dip down. Although this year we've seen more precipitation in the last week and a half than we have did all of last year. So who knows? So yeah, definitely encouraging everyone to go snag a, snag a seat in one of your Zoom calls. And just thank you so much for, um, for reaching out and for joining us and sharing your knowledge. This is so incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited to make this information um, available to our listeners. Me too. I appreciate you having me on, Allie. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time on The Leading Rain. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Leading Rain. We hope you loved it and we can't wait for you to hear next week's episode. But until then, happy trails.